Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us this day. Please know you're always welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. And uh, we gather in great joy this day, <clears throat> pardon me, as we uh, have come to the seventh Sunday after Trinity. As we look to the lessons this day, we will see how God provides for us and how we are uh, utterly and totally reliant upon Him and on His mercy for all our needs of both body and soul. So for a closer look at our readings in the service this day, I encourage you to open up your bulletin to the inside of the back cover, where we have a, a Focused on Christ section that is a summary of today's readings. In the Garden of Eden, our first parents received food freely from the gracious hand of God, apart from any burdensome work. But after the fall... Food would be received only through toil and labor. The curse declared, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. In other words, the wages of sin is death. But into this wilderness world came Jesus the Messiah to restore creation. Having compassion on the weary multitudes, he renewed the bounty of Eden on the third day, freely granting an abundance of bread to the four thousand. So also our Lord Jesus, having endured the burden of our sin, was raised on the third day to bring us back to paradise. He now miraculously turns the bread of death into the bread of life in the sacrament, giving you his very body and blood for your forgiveness. For the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we do have that specific joy this day of receiving the Lord's body and blood as he gives it to us in and under bread and wine for the forgiveness of our sins. And according to his word and testament, he bids that we be in unity of confession when we come to receive this blessed gift. Therefore, in accord with his word and the teachings of Holy Scripture, we then ask that all those attending the Lord's Supper this day be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, joining us in one common orthodox confession of the Christian faith. And, and if you are not a member of our congregation, we do ask that you refrain from receiving the Lord's Supper this day or a sister congregation of, our, of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Um, and we pray for that day when all divisions cease. Our service is Divine Service Setting 4 as it begins on page 203. Our first hymn is hymn number 918. We now sing that hymn. O God, whose never-failing providence orders all things, both in heaven and earth, we humbly implore you to put away from us all hurtful things and to give to us those things that are profitable for us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the seventh Sunday after Trinity is from Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed the man of, the dust, man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The, first, the name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bdellium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. 
The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Romans chapter 6. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 8th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowds to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full, and there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the beginning, Adam was formed by God from dust. He received life when God breathed, literally spirited, into his nostrils. In the Garden of Eden, food was as plentiful as the beauty which surrounded it. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. In addition to plentiful good food, God provided Adam with good, fulfilling work to do. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. We cannot imagine the beauty of Eden. Whatever we dare to picture in our fallen minds, it barely scratches the surface of its lush and vibrant beauty. So also on this side of the fall into sin, we cannot imagine the holy joy that must have filled Adam in just tending to the garden. I mean, here was purpose. Here was true pleasure. Adam knew who he was and what he was about. He was God's man doing God's work, and he lived by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. But in the end, it's the prohibition which God spoke to Adam that sticks with us. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it 
you shall surely die. Those words haunt us. Not because God's command was bad, it was thoroughly good. Rather, we hear this command, and we immediately think of Adam's fall, and that of all humanity into sin. As St. Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. According to God's just curse after mankind's rebellion, we think of thorns, of thistles, and of sweat. Daily bread is still graciously provided by God, but the work through which and by which it is brought forth bears witness to what happened on that sad day thousands of years ago. God's word echoes through time. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till it return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Well, fast forward roughly 4,000 years, and the Lord God was walking not in Eden, but in the wilderness. Jesus Christ, the promised seed of Adam and the second, or the seed of Eve, rather, and second Adam, was with a great multitude of people, about 4,000. St. Mark describes the events for us, saying, In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from far away. On this side of the fall, God's creation does not freely and easily give us great abundance of food just anywhere and everywhere we go. Jesus was in the wilderness with his disciples and this great crowd. We're told that the Lord had compassion on them. Why? Well, because they'd followed him and been with him for three days with no food. As it was for Adam, so it was for this crowd. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. But now the time for physical bread had come, and Jesus knew it. The people who flocked to Jesus like sheep to a shepherd, needing to be fed. What did Christ do? Well, St. Mark writes, And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with, with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took those seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full, and there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. Christ Jesus, the Lord of all creation, took seven humble loaves of bread the fruit of man's toil and sweat, and by his divine power multiplied them to satisfy the crowd. He did the same with a few small fish. Now, even though Jesus performed this miracle, he gave the good work of distributing the bread and fish to his disciples so that they might see his power and glorify him and so trust in him. Those disciples who had first questioned how such a crowd could be fed with so little, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? They then witnessed the blessing and provision of God in the flesh, for nothing is impossible with God. In this miracle, it's a small glimpse of paradise restored, God feeding his people from his hand and satisfying them. It's not like, you know, they had just enough. 
The meaning behind that word satisfied is that they were well filled. They had no more desire at all. So what does all this have to do then with you and with me? Well, everything. You see, just like Adam in the garden and the crowd in the wilderness, we have nothing apart from God. We have no self-sufficiency. We are utterly dependent on God for all of our needs of body and soul. As for Adam, he could not cover the sin and shame of he and his wife. But of course, that didn't stop them from trying. If you remember, they attempted to cover themselves with fig leaves, but the Lord would not have it. The Lord God clothed Adam and Eve with animal skins he provided, showing forth the divine truth that God must be the one to cover our shame and sin. We have no righteousness of our own. As it was for Adam and Eve, so it is for us. Our shabby fig leaves simply will not do. We must repent of our sins and our attempts to cover and to justify our sins. Dear saints, repent and receive Christ's righteousness as he gives it to you in his blessed word and sacraments on this day. We are totally dependent on God for all of our needs of the soul. He is our creator, and he must also then be our redeemer and our sanctifier. Now, we heard last week of how Christ Jesus is our righteousness before God the Father. Our Lord must clothe us, and this covering for sin requires a sacrifice that we cannot make. God must make the sacrifice, and God must clothe us with his righteousness. That is why Jesus, God the Son, came to be the sacrifice for sin on the cross. We needed Jesus to save us. We cannot save ourselves. As St. Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Christ is our righteousness, our life, and our salvation. As for the crowd in the wilderness, well, just look at those people in the gospel lesson. Where were they? What were they doing? They would followed Jesus for three days into the wilderness just to hear his word. Many of us can't go six hours without getting hangry, let alone three days. And as for hearing God's word, most of us honestly wouldn't travel on foot for three days to hear preaching and teaching, even if it was the best preaching and teaching you'd ever heard. The 4,000 which Jesus fed were sinners just like you and me, but they followed Jesus and he gave them what was most needful, his word. The God who created us, he knows our needs of both body and soul, and he graciously provides for them. Your Lord knows that you need daily bread and all that that encompasses, and he promises to give it to you. Just as Jesus had compassion on the hungry crowd, so does he have compassion on you. The God who created you is the same God who still takes care of you, both in body and in soul. Due to the sinful corruption of our flesh, we are quick to blame God for our problems instead of repenting and resting in his gracious and truthful promises. We need to repent and resist any thought that we are somehow independent of God and capable of caring for ourselves apart from him. All that we are and all that we have comes from his gracious hand. Earlier in the collect of the day we prayed, O God, whose never-failing providence orders all things, both in heaven and earth, we humbly implore you to put away from us all hurtful things and to give us those things that are profitable for us. So let us live as though we actually believe the promises of God and the prayers that we pray on the basis of those promises. That which is profitable for us, God will provide. That which is hurtful to us, God will actively protect us from. Now this <clears throat> doesn't mean that we won't deal with suffering and tragedy in this life. 
We live in a fallen world that's corrupted by sin. There will be suffering. Jesus says as much. What God promises is his abiding presence and blessing in his word and sacraments. He promises to never leave you nor forsake you, and he won't. By the power of his spirit, the Lord God will continue to forgive his baptized and repentant people and to comfort us in the midst of our sorrows and in our suffering. After all, our Lord Jesus has experienced the worst that this sinful world can dish out, and he did that in order to make you his, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, let us be content with what he provides and give him the thanks and praise that are due his name. As St. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take it out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we, we, we will be content. Jesus came to forgive us, to restore us, and to feed us. And this he has done and will continue to do. Into this wilderness world came Jesus the Messiah to restore his creation. In the gospel, we saw that Jesus, having had compassion on that weary crowd, renewed the bounty of Eden itself on the third day, and he freely granted abundance of bread to those 4,000. As we read, they ate and were satisfied. So also our Lord Jesus, having endured the burden of our sin on the cross, he was raised on the third day in order to bring us back to paradise. It's no coincidence that Jesus was, was buried and then raised in a garden, and that Mary supposed him to be the gardener, on the day of resurrection, as he will one day bring us all to the perfect paradise once again. And you see, that is just what Jesus is doing right here, right now, for you, his saints. He is bringing you to and feeding you with the very fruits of his cross. He is feeding you, his baptized people, in this wilderness of this fallen world, with his word and with his body and blood, which is the very bread of life. This is both a foretaste of the feast to come, and the heavenly manna from above which sustains you until you reach the promised land of paradise. In his holy supper, Christ Jesus miraculously turns the bread of death into the bread of life, giving you his very body and blood for your forgiveness. Again, St. Paul tells us the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, rejoice, dear Christians. Your God has not forgotten you. Your God has not forsaken you. Even in the midst of a sin-corrupted world that assaults you with temptations and stumbling blocks to the faith, your risen and ascended Lord is still with you. He has promised to work all things to the good of you, his church, and he will keep his word. Today he feeds you with that which is most needful, his body and his blood, which forgive sin, strengthen faith, and refresh you in both body and soul. Christ Jesus came to destroy sin and death and restore his creation. And he who has baptized you into his death and resurrection, he is accomplishing that work in you, in his house and at his table. Rejoice again, dear Christians, for you are fed by God now and eternally. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. To the Lord our God, who reigns over the nations from his holy throne, that he would graciously subdue all spiritual enemies under our feet, giving us a share in the victory Christ has won for us. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
for our missionaries in this country and around the world, that all people would receive the bread of everlasting life given in the word and sacraments. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the delegates who assemble in convention this week, that God would give them wisdom to work for the welfare of our synod, that he would guard the lips of those who speak and the ears of those who hear, that he would give us courage to do with integrity what we promise, and that according to his will, he would bless and prosper the plans and actions undertaken in his name. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who will attend the Higher Things Conference in San Antonio, that our Lord would guide them safely to and from their destination, and that all gathered would be encouraged and built up in Christ's word and sacrament, living in the joyful certainty of Christ's resurrection. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor to produce food and shelter, safety and peace, especially for those in need, that their work would be blessed and we would be led to recognize God's gracious hand in all things, receiving our daily bread with thanksgiving. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all mankind, made in God's image and given this dignity in his sight, that his gift of earthly life would be defended at every age, from natural conception to natural death, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who mourn the death of loved ones, we especially pray for the family of John Brenneman, that God would grant peace and comfort in Christ, who has overcome sin, death, and devil, and promises to all those who live and believe in him that they will have eternal life. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those in any need, especially Nathan Burmeister, Vanessa Burmeister, Charlotte Locke, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For those gathered here to receive the Lord's Supper, that they would be given the true bread from heaven, the body and blood of Christ our Savior, and share even now in the eternal life of paradise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. Heavenly Father, in holy baptism you claimed us as your own holy people and your Son. Strengthen and preserve us in this holiness, that we might not give ourselves over to, again to the slavery of sin and lawlessness leading to death, but instead to the slavery of righteousness that leads to eternal life. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning and welcome to all of you on this beautiful day which the Lord has made. Uh, as we look to our announcements... Um, just a couple things. First off, uh, a special announcement. We do have a uh, what is a special voters meeting immediately following worship right here in the sanctuary. Uh, there's some approval needed from the trustees regarding some projects they're working on. So please uh, remain seated for that once the uh, announcements have concluded. Uh, also, uh, the Trinity Women's Guild would like me to uh, let you know that the kitchen dishes are available to you. Uh, they are uh, laid out nicely in the auditorium. So if you have any interest in taking those, uh, they are there free of charge. I would love to find a good uh, home for all of those. So please take note of that. Uh, also, as was mentioned in the prayers, uh, the LCMS National Convention is coming up very quickly, July 29th through August 3rd. Uh, our own Ian Davidson is our circuit lay delegate, so he'll be representing the both Carroll and Concordia circuits uh, at the convention. Um, he's already gone on his trip now. He was on family uh, vacation and then will then be in Milwaukee at the proper time. So please be praying for him and as well for all the delegates, their travels, and for uh, the Lord to bless um, the uh, synod formal as they come together to do the business of our church body. 
Also today, uh, the Higher Things Conference, we're taking off right after Bible study, which will be a little abridged. Uh, so just stay tuned. We're going to play that by ear. I normally would never ask, what time is it right now? <laughs> Anybody got the time? 1016. Perfect. We're doing quite well. Thank you. Uh, all right. The worship conference uh, in Topeka, Kansas is coming up at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church. That's Saturday, August 19th from 830 to 4 p.m. Uh, the cost is $25. That includes everything for the day. More information is listed there in the bulletin along with the web address that has the full details of the conference. I don't think you'll want to miss that. Um, and so I believe that then brings us to the end of the announcements. Anything I might have missed? All right. Seeing nothing. Uh, Mr. Chairman, where are you at here? I'll turn.